0: Welcome to the emotional rollercoaster that is Blokes Don't Talk. I'm your host, Brayden Anderson. For the OGs out there, yes, the intro has died, sadly. It's time for us to move forward. For those of you new along, look, thank you so much for coming and supporting your loved one as they sit down with me and, and tell their truth. Uh, we sit down with an everyday bloke each week and we take them on a bit of a journey through life's ups and downs we ask them about what is the best and the worst thing they've experienced in life we ask them about what's the best and worst thing they've experienced in themselves it's unfiltered it's raw it's brutally honest and fuck isn't that a sexy thing in 2020 we'd love to hear feedback on the episode please jump on our socials facebook and instagram i don't need to tell you that we're on all good podcast platforms because you found us because you're just that clever enjoy the episode guys All right, welcome along. Uh, today I am speaking to a gentleman. I'm quite excited to have a chat to. Um, apart from the, the little bit that I know about him, uh, you know, is is so incredibly varied that I'm I'm really excited to see where it, where it goes. It, it's also just exciting for me that uh, this is my first conversation with, so it's it's all new and fresh, and, and get to learn learn something off off a new bloke. So, uh, welcome along, Colin. How are you?
1: I'm pretty well. I'm 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 feeling quite excited, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, that's
0: very, cool. Let's do this. Very good. So me and Colin were having a little chat before that probably could have gone for until he got sick of me, to be honest. But my, my cheeks were at risk of getting sore. We were, we were getting into it, and, he, and he's, a, he's a very funny man. So uh, we best get on with it so that I've still got a voice left in the end. Now, Colt, uh, if you've had a chance to look at our format, normally i go through some very – boring, generic questions at the start to kind of set up a person so people can make assumptions about them that hopefully we, we smash out the window later. But, I mean, you're a professional storyteller, so maybe you can take us through how a, how a wee lad from Scotland ends up in the middle of the Northern Territory uh, as a part of a, <laughs> a, a First Nation, as a part of an Indigenous family, and, and as, you know, quickly moving towards being one of Australia's sort of leading uh, folk artists as well.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, there's two stories I like to tell about how I ended up in Alice Springs. First one is I was sitting in Edinburgh in a pub with two Aussie blokes, and then I suddenly woke up in Alice Springs. So like that's the that's the that's the light-hearted version, and then you've got the the the, the true story is that I did have an Irish girlfriend who always wanted to travel Australia. I did not want to travel Australia because at that time I wanted to just drink and use drugs. Uh, I was heavily uh, addicted to alcohol and, and drugs and I sort of just clung on to this, this Irish lass and wherever she went, I would follow, uh, very codependent. Uh, and we ended up in Australia. And I remember I arrived in Melbourne wearing my kilt. Uh, it was August, 2013. And I remember standing outside uh, Melbourne Airport going, why am I here? And this old fella walked up past me, and I'm wearing my kilt, and he looked at me, and he said, you'll be Scottish then, eh? And just walked away. And I just went, all right, let's give this place a go. And from that point on, I just, everything that came up, I just gave it a go, I gave it a go. And we ended up driving from the Gold Coast to the center of, of Australia. And the most amazing, it was probably one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. What
0: age were you when you landed, boss?
1: Oh, so, well, uh, so I've done everything sort of backwards in life. You know, if somebody had said there was a limit for the minty whiskey you could drink in your lifetime, uh, I would not have listened anyway. But, you know, if somebody said, look, you've got to be careful, take your time, there's a limit your body can take. But uh, I was in my I am I was in my thirties when I when I first came to came to Australia, uh, and for that was just a mind boggling. I, I never got on an aeroplane until I was twenty seven for the first time, and that was a trip across to Ireland, you know. And I remember sitting on that aeroplane, stamping my feet, thinking how solid the plane was like. You know, I was a bit, I was going, geez, this plane's a bit solid, isn't it? And the air hostess was looking at me as if I was some care in the community patient. And the lady I was with was my nurse. Because I was saying these crazy things at the age I was. Saying, oh my God, it's really sturdy, really strong. Because I'd never been on a plane before. So, yeah. But yeah, I I arrived in my 30s.
0: I take it from our conversation before about your um your your dear mother's feedback to to the quite impressive beard you've got that you you certainly want weren't on the plane with with that beard banging at the floor commenting on the rigidity of the of the vessel.
1: <laughs> that? No, I never had a beard like I've got now. They're like you know, uh, but I did I did have a real dark tone, and when I was living in Ireland, I got the nickname Bonnie Bin Laden when the greer, the beard was you know because they didn't believe that I was uh, Scottish. And I was working in this big factory, and my girlfriend's brother at the time waved at me. Good morning, Colin. I went, morning, Tommy. And everybody going, Jeez, no. Tom, what did you saying to that, to that Arab fellow? And Tom goes, He's not Arab, he's Scottish. They went, Come up here you now. And I went up, and they said, I went, Morning, how are you, fellas? He went, Jeez, no. Bonnie Bin Laden, crossed almighty now. Fuck's sake, look at that. They they hold so back in your
0: go. neck of the woods, mate.
1: No, they don't hold back. At <laughs>
0: It's funny because I was actually um, saying to you before, as we'll probably probably get to later, it mightn't necessarily be a, a particularly eventful part of part of your journey. But um, I, I worked out retrospectively after I reached out to Colin that he was he was on The Voice a couple of years back, and uh, uh, as as we've already alluded to, Colin's um, other half and his extended family. Are, are, First Nations people, Australian Indigenous people, and and um, if you look at Colin, he's got a beautiful tan and and a very rugged masculine beard, and he and he basically looks like a you know a, a handsome Indigenous man. And and um, I only saw the short clip of his voice audition on on uh, YouTube, so I didn't didn't get to hear him talk afterwards, and that was my false assumption for some period of time. And and you know it's it's probably become quite true since, but it wasn't where his journey started. So. It's funny, the assumptions you make, I guess, mate.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess for me, I've, I've always, I guess, looked differently from where I've come from, you know? Uh, but yeah, I, it's always been an amazing uh, thing for when I'm doing my gigs, I always say, hi, my name's Colin and I'm from Alice Springs, as you can tell by the accent. That's how I open up my gigs. You know, and people just crack up because they take one look at me and they don't expect that. But again, that's, I guess that's human nature. You know, we we, we look at the cover of the book and we go, nah, I don't want to read that. You know, no, nah, I'm going to read that one. So, uh, but I don't mind. I, I enjoy being that thing that people are like quite surprised at. It's like, oh, and then it's same, same, but different as I've always, and, and being part of such a local family local fellas in, in the desert and, 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 you know, yeah, I think acceptance is, is in the heart and, and how you behave. And and I've been lucky enough that I've been accepted by so many and unaccepted by so many as well.
0: <laughs> you, know, you know you're doing something right, as they say, mate, if you're polarising people, I think. At
1: least, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> at least
0: you've got a fucking personality then, for
1: sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I will ask some some of the question though. So tell me a little bit about you, you as a young fellow. What what were the hobbies growing up back home?
1: I, from a very young age, from I'd say from the age of fourteen onwards, grog was my activity for life. Alcohol, that was it. Uh, I remember being a youngster, and you know, singing for me was an escape. I would go to church. I would try singing at school, was, that was my escape. I had a father who was a, I guess, very angry man. And like, you know, so I was always trying to get away, always trying to get away, but at the same time, I wanted to protect those within. And I had a very sick mother, so I was I was brought up a lot. I, I like to say I was br- raised up tough, but with a thin skin, which, in in my future life that was a terrible thing to have because the slightest thing would set me off and i would think i was tough enough and realize afterwards i wasn't that tough you know but it was for me from the age of 14 up until the day i stopped drinking and taking drugs uh, everything ever did had grog and alcohol and drugs involved in it so uh, as a youngster it was drink. It was like, that's all I did. Uh, and that's why I always ended up latching on to uh, other human beings in the hope of following their dream, because I didn't have my own. So from that age of 14, that was me. I always just was always thinking about being drunk. Always, I, I did three or four jobs. School was out the window. Uh, and, you know, for me, whatever money I could get, it was all about you know that survival
0: it's it's funny um it, it's one of the things i've managed to to avoid or or at least certainly to uh to an extent where it's damaging to my lifestyle but um a lot of the stories i hear of of uh gents that have had that be a a similarly you know fatiguing or dangerous part of their life uh, tell, tell similar stories about that early onset so if they've if they've turned to the drink or been introduced to the drink early in their teens for for whatever reason um and particularly if they're you know trying to escape something like like you've said the uh that sensation of being able to take yourself somewhere else with intoxication um at such a formative age just seems to be you know pretty well entrenched and pretty fucking hard to get away from
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, but if, if I'm going to sit here and we're going to be have an honest conversation, that the bottom line is I fucking loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It was like there was nothing, nothing about it I didn't like. I didn't, you know, it was, I loved it. I loved the whole thing. It, there was nothing I wouldn't do to have that feeling. Uh, nothing. And no matter... No matter who I had in my life, no matter how many people try to steer me in a direction or or try to support and, and help, cause now I can foresight. Like that's my superhuman power, foresight. You know, if I could have <clears throat> taken a moment to see that, I would have noticed. But no, I was I was totally and utterly in love with alcohol and drugs. Like, you know, everything I ever did from that point on had that in my life. And that included relationships and, and, you know, running away. Running away was like, and drinking was running away. That's what drinking was. I couldn't physically run away, no matter how many times I tried, physically run away, I always would go back. You know, so, yeah, I definitely... uh, yeah, loved it. If we're
0: going to be honest about it. No, and and I probably maybe I misphrased before. Um, the feedback from from lots of the people I've heard in that space, particularly people that are trying to then give give back to people that have had addiction problems or whatever it may be, tell the same story. It's it's you know, th- there's no great regret or evilness about it. They were they were having the absolute fucking time of their life, and there was a point substantially later when it <coughs> stopped being a, a, a good thing for them. So um, it's an No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong.
1: Don't get me wrong. I I definitely had bad times. Definitely had bad times. Definitely had times where I woke up not knowing what I did, not knowing where I'd done it, who I'd done it with, what had happened. I mean, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, like, that I had downtime, but I loved it so much that I could compensate all the badness to basically do it again. Because if I was clever enough, or I was had a moment's breath to think about it, I would go, what are you doing, you Muppet? What are you doing? You know, so up until I came to Australia, you know, there's there's lots of regret. Well, no, not anymore, not regret. There was lots of regret, and there was lots of upset, and lots of fear, and hurt, and pain, but, because I was so in chest, you know, everything was in chest. And when it got to the head, it became too noisy. I had to silence it up, you know? Once once those feelings get up to the heart, they never reach the head, the sensible thought, like, you know, it, it was all, so again, yeah, I was in love with it. And just like any abusive relationship, you can always make excuses for the abuse, like you know. Of course, but you can never realise when the love's there. Yeah,
0: it's um something I'd love your take on. In a couple of weeks, I'm catching up with a a friend of mine who's from America, um, and he's a uh, in the filmmaking space now, and he and he did a micro documentary recently on um, Australian alcohol culture. Uh, and quite damningly so and and he's I was interested on that take because he's um, he's from America, so I was curious about the comparison of those cultures, but he 's also always been in law enforcement or emergency services, so i didn't know uh, how sheltered a family he came from, maybe in the states but coming coming from the u k um, where obviously drinking's a big part of the culture as as well um what was your take on Australia when you got over here comparatively <laughs>
1: When I came to Australia, and in regards to drinking, uh, it took me a while to realise that you have three standard drinks in certain places, and none of them were a pint. And I was like, "Going, what is that all about? Where is the pints? Where can I find a pint?" And you know, and you drunk lager, you drunk. everybody drinks a lager. It's all that light fizzy beer. And I wasn't, I wasn't a lager drinker because it. Just I couldn't drink as much with the fizziness. Like at least with Leastway Guinness or a, a proper ale, you can drink more because it's not fizzy; it sits in your belly. So it took me a while, but geez, you, you, like I ended up in Alice Springs, and Alice Springs is one of the greatest drinking towns in the in the world. I ended up in a place where people drank better than me, you know, and like which then it became a bit of a competition, but. You know, at some point, you as I said, there's a limit, and your body basically tells you there's a limit. Uh, so yeah, yeah, the Aussie drinking like you know, I had, like I think I got to the point where people didn't want to drink with me because I just was went too far. I would go too far. I, I was the kind of guy who went missing for three days, four days Go, You know, I, back home in, in, in Scotland, I've got a family that I haven't seen in 16 years. You know, like, would you, call, you know, I, I've a, I drank to the point where nobody wants you in your life. And when that happened, I ended up latching onto somebody and coming to the other side of the world. And I was full of causes because of this, because of that, because of them because of her, because of him, uh, instead of saying, because of you, myself in the mirror. And that took me a while. It took me a, a while to get that right. Uh, and it took me a bit more drinking with the Aussies uh, and the local fellas here in Alice Springs and uh, to realize, nah, this isn't how you came. This is not what you want. And this is not what I want. So yeah. I love loved I love I drinking
0: with the Aussies. They were great. <laughs> um, it's it's interesting what you said there, and, and I'm I'm very much the same. When when I trained my my twenties a little bit, I, I reckon certainly in the middle of that, and for some time after, um, you know, I was pretty keen to have some sort of a reason or some sort of a person to blame for for my own shit decisions. And and I'll I'll, I'll flick it through to you after when I upload it. But um, my my most recent interview that all, uh either before yours or, or just after I'll get back to you on that one um, was a with a a young friend of mine from Perth who really well raised young man with a great heart who um, you know by anyone's definition train wrecked his train wrecked his his life and and I had a chance to interact with him during that and and since that and and what's remarkable to me I guess because <laughs> it isn't isn't me I'm not that strong a man even during it he was still um he he wasn't the victim at all, shall we say. He, he was very much like, and this is what I did to get myself here and it was fucking embarrassing sort of thing. I was sort of like, fuck, that's a, that's a, a ridiculous <laughs> level of, of um, sort of, uh, you know, self-responsibility. That's, that's, I'm not sure that's human. <laughs> I, I would have been blaming every motherfucker I could find the point at. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I went through life a long time, for a long time, blaming, <clears throat> with my dad being having such violent outbreaks at home. It took me until I went to high school. My father, uh, I had friends at school, and when I went to high school, then pointing out having the bruises on my body wasn't normal. And it wasn't until I got to high school that I realized that that wasn't normal. like you know. And <clears throat> the, the, the thing that gets me is that it, we are, it's so easy as human beings for us to accept abuse. In all aspects that it is because it's comfortable not to do anything about it. And I've I've grown up learning that. It's easy to do the wrong thing, it is always hard to do the right thing. Doing the right thing is always going to be harder. And that's why I started drinking, because it was easy to start drinking. It was easy to take the drugs. It was hard to say no. The alcohol, and it was hard to say no to the drugs. It was easy to accept behaviors from those that loved me that I felt this is how this is how this is love, this is what love is, this is a family, this is how this is what I'm used to. And then when other people point out that's not right, you know, but you know, it's it's yeah, there's we can travel life living in the past, which I look at as being depression. Or we can travel life fear in the future, which I look as being anxiety, or we can live right now. And by the time I got to Alice Springs, I was ready and hungry enough to start living now, right then. I wanted to live then. I had made some mistakes. I had another kid to another lady. Uh, and, you know, I didn't want to carry on this life. I was ready to live life then and so that was my journey to alice springs that once i did that drive across from the gold coast the first time the space and everything opened me up i sang for the first time in alice springs i left alice springs went back to ireland and then i came back to alice springs i was drinking i met people i fell in love i fell out of love i had a child i was just doing the same things over and over again until one morning it was, I woke up, been missing for about three days. Woke up in the Todd River with a local local lady kicking me in the guts so hard. I think that was her way of getting CPR, you know, because <laughs> I was that unconscious. I think she thought I was dead. Waking up to that, and I decided from that moment that this wasn't the life I wanted. And then from that point, I started living life, you know, started living life, you know.
0: Um. Digressing a little bit, there was something you said there that reminded me of what we were talking about earlier um, and, where you said, and and uh, I guess uh, an advanced... Um Forgive me to our more sensitive ears, because I would have ended up saying the c-word two episodes in a row. But you said about <laughs> p- people as best you can understand, and we we were talking about you know the the broader race relations discussion going on at the moment. You, you said regardless of anything that that people I- in your mind are either a, a good cunt or they're a shit cunt, basically, which which I fucking <laughs> I, I love, I love, I love. But but something that um, tied into what you said about you know when you're in that state of mind i guess where you don't have a high self value maybe and and the level of abuse you're willing to accept i, I think in the mindset at the time it's like well you know if someone's 70% good i'm i'm lucky to have that 70% good in my life and and it reminded me i used to tell um my nieces if they ever had boy problems and certainly my better half's friends if they're having boy problems or the, or the likes. I just i just say you know um, regardless of your own self-value personality isn't, isn't a percentage game if if someone's 5% cunt then they they're 100% percent cunt you know it's if they have that within <laughs> within them if if they are capable of treating you that way that that is who they are it, it's not a you deserve you know 95 80 70 55% of, of their good if if they're capable of that that that's who they are and, and you should move on with life, I think, if, if, if you've got it within you to do so.
1: Yeah, I I, I do believe that, uh, I'm a great believer that <clears throat> you get that old saying, a leopard can't change their spots, but they can change the color of them, you know? Which then that means there's change is possible if you change your environment. So you have a leopard that's in the desert and then you have a leopard that's up in the snow, you know? If you change your environment, you can change. You know, I'm a great believer in that. That you, you, but you have to be willing. And I'm the first one to admit that I have been a shit cunt in my life. And there is people in this world that their story of me is I play the villain. And that's fine. I am the villain in their story and I can respect that. And I can accept that, respect it and accept it. You know, but now, in my life now, I don't play the villain to those in my life now, you know? I play, try to be the best good cunt I can be. And that's waking up every morning and trying to be a good cunt. And when I've been a shit cunt, apologize for being a shit cunt straight away. It's hard, life is hard, happiness is hard, because does everybody brush their teeth every single day? And if they do, good on you. But if you don't, you end up with toothache. Because you've got to work at keeping those teeth. Happiness is exactly the same thing. You have to get up every morning and work at happiness. And you cannot point the finger at everybody because you're not happy. You might meet one asshole in a day, you've met an asshole. You meet 10 assholes in a day, who's the asshole?
0: It's, it's very true. There's there's only so many, um, and it's probably a, a, a young men thing primarily, or sometimes you see Girls, uh,
1: no, it's an old man thing. <laughs> old man
0: thing. <laughs> Sometimes you see ladies that give you the, you know, every guy's the same thing that keep picking shit guys, sort of thing. But um, it's it's you know, it's true. There's only so many circumstances of conflict you can roll between before you need to realise that you might be the contributing factor. And and with yes. what with what you said before, <laughs> I, I think I spent. Uh, a, a, an unfortunate chunk of my twenties where it, it wasn't a case of whether I was only five percent cunt. So um, I, I try and <laughs> I try and do things like this now to rebuy a lot of that karma. So I, I certainly hope it, it's true that uh, your, your beautiful analogy there that a leopard can change the color of his spots. Because I'm I'm trying my ass off and have been for a couple of years, I guess.
1: Well, uh, that, that, but then that's all you can do. That's I'm a I'm a great believer that you know if something can't be mended there's no point in trying to spend that time trying to mend it if it's broken it's broken and there's nothing wrong with it being broken like you know but then we're jumping the gun a wee bit if I talk about that like you know we're getting lost slightly and
0: absolutely well uh, I I might uh, play our intermission Colin because I I really want to talk about where, where your music comes from, I guess, after the break. And I think that'll lead straight into the, the sort of the ups and downs of, of what the second half of this tends to be. So we, we may as well crack on with that, mate.
1: Great.
0: And now a word from our sponsor. Nah, just fucking with you guys. We're never going to monetize this. This is your resource. And blokes, this round's on me. As we move into the next section of this conversation, we're going to be asking some pretty real questions. We're going to take things a level deeper. It'll be raw, but hopefully we'll come up with some tips and techniques that might help some fellas out there get through a bit. If what we discussed today raises some emotions for you, either from something you've got through in the past or something you're currently dealing with, discuss it with someone in your life you trust. If someone isn't immediately available, or if you're quite anxious about the feelings that you uncover, call Lifeline Australia. They're available 24-7, they care, and they're very professional. 13, 11, 14. Alternately, have the chat with your GP. Discuss going on a mental health plan if you're having a rough time. There's no shame in it. Get a little bit of counselling, get yourself travelling in the right direction. If the voice in our head gets a little bit negative, it doesn't magically get better. We need to introduce a professional, someone who has a bit of rationality, someone who has a bit of positivity, somebody who can help us not just survive, but thrive. We need you fellas, and we want to see the best of you. All right, well, as I kind of alluded to before, um, I managed to stumble across uh, Colin and and reach out and and get to enjoy his generosity of talking with us today um, out of his better half uh, sharing his most recent single on on her socials um, in relation to it being Men's Mental Health Week. Um, So uh, if it's okay with you, Colin, I'd love to play Broken and and get your take on it and, um, you know, your your music is, is... not just the dark stuff, but also the, the very thankful stuff and very uplifting stuff. So I'd, I'd love, to, love to hear from you uh, where it comes from.
1: Absolutely, I'm happy with that, it's great. Awesome, hey, uh, <coughs> are you gonna play that? Yeah, if, if
0: that's okay with you, boss. I'm
1: happy
2: with you playing.
0: You
1: can do. <laughs> I right. love you to play. That would be wonderful. Love. Thank you. Share it to the world. <laughs> you can also listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube as well.
0: <laughs> so I will, I will make sure uh, in the post for this, guys. <laughs> I, I will put um, Colin Lilly's music link as well, um, and and give him a listen because it's it's really fantastic storytelling that you you just get engaged by one one moment. We'll go with broken. <laughs>
2: Shaking off the rain today A moment appeared on his face He asked him, are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? Sitting round the table with friends She saw that look once again She asked him, are you okay? are you sure you're okay is it time to sacrifice the pain that hides in between the lines? only when it's broken only when it's broken when it hits you in the middle of the night and the truth burns so bright when it's broken Waking on the bathroom floor Someone's knocking on the door They're asking are you okay Are you sure you're okay We haven't heard your voice in days Seems you locked yourself away wondering are you okay are you sure you're okay is it time to sacrifice the pain that hides in between the lines only when it's broken only when it's broken when it hits you Truth burns so bright
0: So guys on top of um, making sure that you follow Colin on on your best available streaming platform and and, and uh, support his revenue streams check that out on on YouTube because the the film clip is 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 really gorgeous shows a, a little bit of an insight into to Colin's broader life I guess and and touring and recording and everything else I I uh, I should have known but um, Dismal research on my behalf. Might have been a bit busy this week. I just just seeing that that was actually produced by Diesel, and I was thinking, Jesus, that's that's two voices I'd drive to hear together in concert. I'm, I'm actually going to flick that to my mum because she'll she'll be a massive fan instantly. So, um, tell us <laughs> tell us a little bit about uh, you know the message behind Broken for you, and and I guess if you're happy to flowing from there, um, how you use music and and where these beautiful messages come from for you.
1: Yeah. Broken, for me, is a song that is all about it's okay to be broken. You know, like, I grew up thinking that being broken was a bad thing. It was a fault. So you didn't tell anybody about what was really going on inside. You know, you didn't talk about those feelings. I've struggled with mental health since the very beginning, I guess. My mum called it being afraid of my own shadow you know she would say you're afraid of your own shadow which I guess I suffered from anxiety at a very young age but that is understandable considering the home environment and how there was so much unrest and unease Uh, but I was never confident in talking about what was really going on inside how afraid how fearful and you know that keep I always looked at that as being something was wrong with me because I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like my friends really wanted to be my friend. Uh, that I didn't trust anybody enough to feel that intimacy, that closeness, that real bond, you know? Uh, never feeling like my mates really wanted to be me around, that I was always just the, 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 the funny guy or the guy who could be made a joke of, you know? So I always felt I was broken all the way through. And once I got into relationships, work couldn't keep a job couldn't couldn't keep relationships or was in a relationship for a long period of time you know being broken and and for me it's taken me it it took me the decision of that day where we were discussing earlier about me waking up inside uh, Alice Springs in the Todd River realizing I was on the other side of the world and I was just repeating the life I had in Scotland, here in Australia, and saying, I'm not wanting this. I don't want, and realizing that being broken is a unique thing. It shows that, you know, you're unique. Everybody on this planet has something that they're uncomfortable with, be it their size, be it their weight, be it their nose, be it their ears, be it the way they talk. Uh, be the way they look, Some, everybody's got something that they feel is broken about them and they try to fix. And I guess broken, when I realized I was broken and I could do things to fix it, and once I had got to a point where I was waking up in the morning and I was happy with who I was, realizing that it's all right to be broken. It's good. It's who I am. It makes me calling it makes me that unique individual that has when I'm standing next to somebody else, makes me call and it makes them them, you know? So, and it's also about being brave enough to ask those around you, are you okay? I feel that we've got to a point in this world where we're afraid to ask people if they're okay because I feel it's because we're afraid they might react negatively towards us asking if they're okay. Or we might not want to hear what they've got to say. Or they might not want to tell us. And, you know, I've got a bad habit in our house because we've got four boys. That I wanted our boys to basically learn that talking is important. As a bloke thing, it's important. You know, because... The minute I stopped drinking, I stopped having that space. That is usually the place where men go to lay off steam, you know, to let things go, to let you can talk to the barman, you can you can talk to the guy. You're never you might be someday at the bar you'll never see again. So for me, broken's all about that thing of bravery. I don't believe in fearless. I believe in brave because I think fearless is. Is, is used too often for people who just run into things without thinking about it. You know, I
0: think uh, I think fearless is is just poorly cloaked ignorance, really. If you're fearless, yes. you you haven't lived enough to realize just how fucking brutal some <laughs> repercussions can be. So it it is realizing that they can be that brutal and pushing forward anyway that is that is brave. Fearless is just a fucking an ignorant wanker trying to look tough most of the time.
1: Yeah. And normally a teenager. Normally teenagers are the fearless ones, and then they come back with a broken arm and go, "Well, you know." And it's like, uh, so, <laughs> you know, so you've, I've got, I've, I've got these boys, uh, Jacinna and I. We've got these boys that are 21, 19, 17, and and 13. You know. So they're all, and it's a blended family because my son from a previous relationship and Jacinta's boys, and we're, we're all together and we're all melding together and the one thing that we've installed is talking because I definitely grew up with a father who didn't talk to me he only knew one way of expressing himself to me Uh, and I didn't want that I don't want that for my kids so talking and so broken's all about when you realize something ain't right you should go and talk about it and if you observe something's not right, you should ask if somebody's okay. That's that's what for brokenness for me. Really, that's what it is.
0: Brilliant, man! You've probably skipped over some questions I'd normally ask Colin because you've been so generous with your candor. I guess, but um, it, it makes me want to explore some others because you clearly, uh, you know, you clearly got such a, a positive disposition for for everything that you've you've got through, and you're very optimistic about about your life it's it's evident to me so um what would you say is the best moment of your of your life mate the
1: best moment of my life I it's like that when I hear that question I sort of go boy, what's the best moment of that life I guess this morning because I got up you know like it's it's like that the, I think so, like we, I was having this conversation today with Justin and I we were talking about this, and it was the idea that somebody called us a power couple. And I dislike that. I, I hate, sorry, hate's a, a strong word. I dislike that word power. I don't like that word power because power to me represents physical things. You have something. For me, I like the idea of influence, <laughs> like, you know, I like influential. But, you know, the, uh, there's been many a things that I have say what a great moment, what a beautiful moment. But I won't have those moments if I do not get up in the morning and take on the day. I have no idea what today's going to be. And don't get me wrong, I completely shit myself some days because I am full of anxiety, fear, I've had a bad sleep, I'm feeling not comfortable inside myself and I'm afraid of the day, but I get out of bed, we make the bed, and we move on through the day. I mean, like, like there's, there's going on holiday with the family. There's all these things like the music, the singing, the awards, being on TV. They're all just moments that are, you know, but that initial getting up. Because there was a time I did not want to get out of my bed. I remember being a 17-year-old, attempted suicide at 17, and I remember going home and my dad asking me why did it, trying to reach out and get a cuddle for my dad. And he shunned me off because he didn't know how to express himself. There's times of where I have been so ashamed of things that I've done and how I've behaved that I didn't come out of my house, my cave, because I was too ashamed of behavior or how I treated persons or how I treated partners, lovers, your work colleagues. Now I get up in the morning and I face what has got to come to me. So I guess that for me is the highlight of my life is this morning. I know that sounds wanky, but it's true. <laughs> no, no,
0: I, I, I totally, I totally, uh, I totally understand where, where you're coming from, and uh, I'm a big believer, which which makes me a hypocrite from throwing the question in that, that you should always think your best is in front of you. So it's kind of a nostalgic question that goes against my own ethos in in that regard. <laughs> um, but one that might be a bit harder for you to give such a generic answer to, boss. Um, what would you say is the bravest or most honourable thing you do you, you've done in your life? Because you've been you've been very candid. About where you've let yourself down. I'd love to know when when you exceeded your expectations.
1: The day I got sober. That is the most, you know, and and like you sit there and you and and you, you can look at the day I got sober. The day I decided that I was going to be sober. Not. The run-up, not the trying to stop, stop, the the, the the stop using and stop drinking. The the, the actual day I realised I'm sober. You know, because there's a lot of hard work to get up to that point, and there's a lot of hard work afterwards, because that is just the the the, the drinking and the drugging is just a a symptom of my disease in life. You know, you know. So the day. I, I I realized I was sober. That was the day. That's the biggest achievement I've ever done in my life. That is the biggest commitment, and it is the, the longest commitment I've ever made because that commitment led to me having so much after and being able to deal and get up and keep going and keep going. And, and so for me, that is, and it always will be, that is the cornerstone of who I am now not who I was but who I am now next
0: one Colin do you have a hero who would it be and why
1: I do have a hero my wife my wife is my hero uh, you know there's I've met lots of people in my life who have taken things by the bollocks and shake shook the world up and and their world up and made changes like you know my wife is definitely one of my biggest heroes. You know, like regardless of what her political alignment is in life, you know, she has stood up. Uh, her mum's a brave woman. Her mother is an extremely brave woman. But she's. But my wife has taken it. Justin has taken it even further than her mother has. Uh, She stands there, my wife stands there, in the line of fire where people believe it's okay to abuse my wife, and she still stands there. People believe because of what she said and how she says it, that entitles them to abuse, violently abuse her, and you know, she accepts that, but still carries on. You know, there's like, you know, I get, I'm lucky enough I get to meet human beings all over this country because I get to play music and I get to meet unique human beings who have had challenges in their life and they share their story with me and I share my story with them, and I, and they are heroes. But I get to live with one and I get to see the actual, I get to see the real ugliness of the human race on a different perspective. And people can can go well, whatever. But as a husband, and as the as a father, as a stepfather, you know, and her boys have to see it as well. She stands there and she accepts it because she believes in what she's doing. And to me, that a hero is somebody who, as we said, is willing to know the consequences of their actions but carry on doing it for the greater good. That they feel is their greater good and she tells the truth with what she's seen with her eyes and yeah so she's my hero
0: love it mate love it and and um uh to put that into to context i, I guess um you know uh it's it's probably a a broader symptom of um how divided society has become at the moment and, and something I loved love love that you said before we got going a, a, about um it was kind of on the topic of of uh, interracial tensions maybe but but on a broader scale, you said that um it's when we stop talking that that the issues arise and 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 the problem at the moment um and I have this debate with with members of my family that are say quite left in their political standings or or whatever it may be is is um you know but what now because the conversation's so stunted it's like you're slightly different to me so we better fucking stop talking and hate each other it's like guarantee, yeah. guaranteed uh that is the recipe to never reach a resolution but but together <laughs> but together if you continue the conversation uh you might actually make some genuine improvement in whatever it is you're passionate about and and for me it's crazy that that isn't more evident to people that just want to polarize and and uh, you know display this tribalism of of you need to you know you need to align to a whole value set that m- matches um, uh, how you feel about one topic rather than being an eclectic yeah. mix of of different experiences and 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 learning from one another and being excited to potentially be wrong because it means that you've grown. Um, yes, it's, it's a it's and a feel it's a tragic state of affairs, pretty much across the rest of the world, really, but particularly in Australia, um, where we have such an a beautiful indigenous culture uh, that that you know we really really need to take proactive measures across the next few generations to ensure that we we protect that because because if we don't, if we just sit on our hands and fucking argue, uh, you know, it's such a small percentage of the population we're at risk of losing that culture forever, but we need to we need to like you said, it's great to start a conversation, but it's when you stop talking that that things become problems yeah. so
1: I mean for for me, uh, I'm Scottish for God's sake. like it, Marx wrote he said if the revolution was ever going to start in the West, it would start in Scotland. You know, that's what he said. But then we look at Scotland now and we see an, an a, a nation that has become more nationalistic. And what it wants is freedoms it wants. And, and you know, like, I, I come from a country which is very socially, you know, that socialist, oh, I grew up in a mining area. It was what it was all about. Like, you know, it was a big community. It was about everything. And I don't agree with my wife all the time, I, as, we, as we were talking about earlier. I do not agree with my wife all the time because she is my wife. <laughs> and, you know, that is the bottom line. And, you know, I we are different people. But one thing that we have and we will always, I hope we always do is we will sit and uh, we will argue and we will discuss and we will, and I'll go, I don't agree with you, I disagree with that. But you know, that's the beauty of relationships. And it seems that the basic idea of how we look at individuals in life and we say, we look at the individual story but we don't look around it; we just argue there. You know, it's just it's right. We, we like everybody's got a story, and if we can talk and we can get those people to bring their stories out, and they feel safe enough to share their stories, then everybody gets a bigger picture. But you know, it's it seems to be the wrong thing these days to, or we are a bit more afraid to talk about how we feel in case how we feel might hurt somebody else, which is not our business. If something is unhappy within us, we need to talk about it. And if it upsets somebody, well, they have to go away and find out why it's upsetting them and then come back with an answer instead of being so defensive and aggressive. You know, it seems to be that it's the, there's an entitlement to say things without the discussion of why, why is that, you know? And like someone like myself, who has had somebody who's basically, uh, his life has always been about keeping it in and then suddenly letting it out. I had to have somebody go to me. Why? What was your part? What is your part in it? Why did you do that? You know, why do you think that way? It's the simplest thing so easy you know but i don't know it seems the hardest thing at times
0: yeah i i completely agree i I was actually um one of the one of the books my laptop is propped up on which i've been hesitant to reference him at all because he's kind of you know uh, i think fairly generic to the young angry white male uh starter pack so to speak but uh, uh, one of the um authors i like to read is jordan peterson he's a you might be familiar with his Canadian psychologist yeah. and uh, in his, his 12 rules of life book, one, one of the 12 rules is along the lines of, um, you know, uh, converse with people like they might know something you don't. And, and I think uh, that's simply is the way we've stopped um, communicating in, in society. It's, I, I absolutely think this and not, not just can we not communicate and I need to somehow eradicate you and other people that don't feel, feel the same. And it's, um, no, it's it's probably ultimately potentially dangerous, but it's certainly sad, and, and I think we're costing ourselves some some great conversations to to you know take society forward further.
1: Yes, I, like uh, I don't know, like see, I'm, I'm not as smart as as many people, at least in the book Smart. I grew up in the University of Life in the gutter, sleeping in the streets hiding in the darkness I have I've seen how dark life can be I have seen it I have felt it I have been it I've smith the the smell of it sometimes smells just get under my nose and it can stop me you know I have had to rely on certain ways of living so that I could survive and and you know like with that comes shame and with that comes the the the, the already pres- the way people will point their finger because of that they will judge and they will but you know it's taken me till now to realize what people think of me is none of my business none of my business how they perceive me and what they think of me is none of my business unless they bring it to my doorstep then i can talk about it you know, then I'm willing to have that discussion. Then I'm willing to breathe because I, I, like, I, there's still things that I'm, I'm on the other side of the world. There's a lot of things I've got to fix on the other side of the world that I haven't had an opportunity to do. But if I go looking for it, then that might be more trouble than it's worth. But I do believe that you know we do have to ensure communication between those we love And those that we have around us, like I said, you meet one asshole in a day, you've met an asshole, you meet 10 assholes in a day, who's an asshole? You know, you've got to basically be aware of your surroundings. And you're only ever aware of your surroundings if you've got people you can communicate with. And if you can't communicate with them, you're always going to be that uncomfortable outsider, you know? So you've got to somehow find your way to talk about these things. If that makes am I making sense?
0: No, absolutely. Christ, crystal clear. I was just thinking then that um you're unique in many ways, obviously, but normally from the who is your hero question, it tends to end up being uh males fathers, obviously, or or similar, uh and certainly people that are similar to them. So it's it's a great um testament to to you as individuals, but certainly your relationship that you've identified a hero that's that's kind of your your yin and yang, so to speak. So um, <laughs> I, it's not a quality that you've identified about her i would I would think potentially what what would you think's most admirable about you?
1: Oy, that now we start struggling because now you're talking about me and now that's me I've got to start struggle because you know like I, I can talk about other people extreme and I can talk about my past extremely well and I can talk about my fears of the future. But when we start talking about the present, what it is I've got to give right now, I like to think that I have, I think my storytelling ability, I think the absolutely ability of being able to sit down and open, be open and truthful and honest is what I've got. You know, I can't be asked with bullshit anymore. And I don't know if that's an age thing, but I can't expect people not to, to, I can't expect people not to be bullshit around me if I'm bullshit around them. So I might as well be who I am because nobody, nobody puts, puts me down more than myself. So my biggest I think is to be honest with who I am and not and be as brave as I possibly can be with the simplest things. And listen, I think I'm trying to listen better, you know, before my hearing goes, you know, <laughs> listen. Yeah, it was one thing I was taught was to take the cotton wool out of my ear and stick it in my mouth and learn, like, you know, listen. And I think that's something that I was never wanting to do until I did, you know, have that moment where I was in, oh yeah, this is what you're supposed to do. I'm still a crazy Scotsman at times, like, and I've got a good sense of humour. Sense of humour is something that really... Has pulled me through. And I think that's the thing between me and that we work, we are humor, is how we get through a lot of things.
0: You've kind of covered what I was going to go to next. So so we'll kind of skip ahead and, and I'm interested to hear this one, although I, I feel like it, it might be like you said tomorrow morning, so to speak, in terms of what you said about this morning earlier. So what's something you're excited about or looking forward to?
1: Oh. So this whole COVID. The whole, what I'm really looking forward to at the moment is that uh, the whole COVID thing has gone, made the world crazy. And uh, Music is one of those jobs where you're expected to have two jobs. You're supposed to have the one that pays the bills and then you do your music. <clears throat> uh, I'm lucky enough that I've got to the point where music, I can survive reasonably with what I'm doing. But I've had no work. So I'm looking forward to everything opening up again and I can get out and be in front of an audience because, excuse me, uh, I love being in front of an audience. I just love that being there, sharing who I am and connecting. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, releasing a new album. I've got a new album that's coming out uh, either beginning of the year or just at the end of the year. Uh, I'm looking forward to... uh, like We've just... The simplest thing, like the youngest one, just gave us a report card that I look at, and I'm going, wait a minute, where's these genetics come from? Like, you know, he's extremely, he's he's a very smart young fella, and I've got to give his mother credit for that, like because she does a lot of work with him and that. But yeah, he's he's kicking major goals. So I don't know, I'm just really excited about writing more songs, getting them out there, sharing, working. And watching my wife grow more and taking on the planet the way she takes on the planet, because then that means I get the chance to go away and do what I do, you know?
0: <laughs> I understand, mate, I understand. Um, we've potentially touched on it, but I'd, I'd love to hear you, you phrase it, uh, you know, relatively concisely rather than me deducting from various things you've said. What's a, a piece of advice you'd, you'd give to 18-year-old Colin?
1: piece of advice I'd give 18-year-old Colin. There is nothing I would have been able to say, anybody would have been able to say to 18-year-old Colin, and that is the honest truth. I would have given him a look, and I would have went, who the fuck do you think you are? 18-year-old Colin had nothing that he basically wanted to hear from anybody. You know, I could have sat in a pub with him, you know, it's that old story, uh, uh, like that. Like we used to have this conversation. Like, would you call? It? How would you know if Jesus Christ was on the planet and he came up to you and said, "Hi, I'm Jesus," you know? And uh, you would, like, we used to say, we'd go to the pub and have a pint with him and ask him a converse, have a conversation at the pub. Well, there'd be no point in going to the pub and having a conversation with an eighteen-year-old Colin because he'd be flipping flat on his back. Uh, but I reckon the one thing I would probably say to him is you have no idea how the future pans out. So stop worrying about tomorrow. Yeah, you know, that'd probably be the only thing I'd say to him because he wouldn't have listened to me. <laughs> I
0: I love it, mate. And maybe it's, um you know, that this this platform has attracted guys that are at similar stages of uh, life to us and, and, um you know, fairly relaxed and happy with their, not so much happy, but at least accepting of where they've come from. But, all, all the guys of very, very different backgrounds have said very similar things that, you know, it, it all works out and, and you've got no idea what's to come, so to speak. So, and I, I don't think anyone could have known what was going to come for you. It's it's a pretty unique story. <laughs> I,
1: I I like, I, there's no way I would have, I'm a, I, I think I've learned that you can start a road in life and if it's meant to be the road that you're on, you can be knocked off it But you'll find it again that road will find you i'm a great believer that what i'm doing now is what i was meant to be doing regardless i'm doing what i'm meant to be doing and where i'm meant to be Uh, i watched i was lucky enough to see nick cave perform his solo show on the gold coast and somebody asked him somebody said to nick cave they said do you believe in god and nick cave turned and said of course of course i do because I am who I am because of something greater than me and because there is something above everything I do and, and I'm lucky enough that it can come to me. He also said that there is, he believed that people live two lives. Some people are lucky enough to realize they're living their second life and go full force into it. And some people don't realize they're living their second life and some people never get to live that second life. I believe I'm living that second life. And I believe I'm living the life I'm meant to be living. But it, it it's the life that is uh it's a life that is a result of some real shit and real darkness and real pain and real fucking around and real in your gut fear. And I still get that. Because, you know, we don't we don't expect a soldier to go out to war and battle and come back and not wake up ten years down the line with all the things that happened to him in the battlefield. We expect him to live life and we forget about them. But we we have that, I have that many a times. Many a times I can fall back, I can relapse into my thinking. But, you know, I'm lucky that I'm living a second life. And when I heard Nick Cave say that, I went, oh, you beauty. That is just – somebody saying something that I had no idea how to say, and it was beautiful.
0: It's it's a beautiful phrase. And and for me, I I think – and uh, I feel like it's similar to to your path based on what you've said. For me, I look back at at that first life. uh, For for me, and I guess I'm just empathetic – towards him rather than uh, resentful, regretful, whatever it may be. But I'm also amazed at how different my life is now. Um, h- how foreign, <laughs> how foreign that whole fucking setup, up the, the world around me that I'd created was compared to what I do now and find fulfilling is, is ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people who say, oh you're born again and all that. There's like, oh, you're born again are you? Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm not born again. If I was born again, I wouldn't have all this shit behind me that gives me the willies at time when I'm doing things. I would be a blank canvas and I would be flipping painting on a blank canvas. Instead, i I've, I've I've I guess I've managed to find <laughs> I've managed to find the colours the colour and the numbers that needed filling in there, like, you know, that gives a fuller picture, you know? And it's like, (laughs) it's like, I look at who I was before, and that's me looking at who I was five years ago and who I was 10 years ago, who I was last year, you know? Because I have had the opportunity to explore that darkness. I've had that opportunity to, get right into the cracks and right in there so that I can learn that reflection helps me today so that I can move on to tomorrow. It's all about being able to have an awareness about who I am. And if I'm not aware of who I am, well, then I make the same mistakes. But if I can have that level of awareness and I'm willing to get into the dirt and right into the nitty gritty and not be fearful about what people might think of who I was, but can, ex- can see who I am now. That's, that's, that's a winner.
0: I say, I say to my mates that are going through a, a rough time that, you know, no, no exciting story ever he's, ever started with, and, and he was born with a lot of money and everything It always went fucking, fucking <laughs> well for him. And, and uh, it's funny, I was talking to, to, my most recent guest mick uh, about a, a similar thing and, and it's funny that you earlier used um the phrase that your mum would say about about shadow and and uh as a psychologist Jung that i, I get into and and he um talks a lot about the shadow ba- basically integrating at the, the darkest parts of ourselves with who we are and, and living aware of that potential and uh, i guess fearful of where it leads so um i, f- I feel like you similar to to me, or in a, in a place in life where where that's a real badge of honor for me, like I'm I'm never gonna, um, I'm never gonna have self doubts based on someone's judgment of my past because I know exactly the rabbit hole I can go down to and somehow find <laughs> find a fucking way out of. Whereas they they might not have been they might not have been tested and and are entirely basing their self worth on hypotheticals. Um, so yes. I. I, I I agree with you entirely. Uh, not, <laughs> not not that you're someone that needs validation. You, you're right to feel proud of where you, what you've been through to get where you are. I think.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think if you can, I, like, so to go back to the music, there's a, within Glass Homes, my first album, that my full album, first full album I recorded, Glass Homes has a lot of that. It has elements of. So there's a song that I wrote called Neverland, and that was me reading, I had read Peter Pan, to my son, and you know, at the end of reading Peter Pan, uh, we finished, I said, look, see, you've got to have friends, like, you know, friends are important, because you've always got to remember, no matter how old you become, you've got to be able to play, you've got to remember to play. And you know, like he looked at me and says, but dad, you've got no friends. <laughs> and he was right, I didn't have any friends because I'd put my, and I decided I was make a change in my life then. And at that point, you know, Jacinna was, in a, she had had enough of the relationship she was in. She had been in abusive relationships. She had been in, and she had went to her mom. She said, mom, eh, I'm, I want to find my soulmate. And you know, She went away and and with her mum, her aunties, her grannies, and they went out bush and they do this thing where they sing a song, a magic song, and they sing a magic song which is supposed to sing your true love and your true love comes to you. And how well the magic is is how strong the love is. So at that time I didn't know that was going on, and you know then I met Jacinta, and then after a while we. We got in a relationship, and she told me about this singing thing, and I went, what a loaded one song, and I'm anybody's cheesy like you know? But I wrote Neverland after that because it was my way of acknowledging her magic, and I didn't want to be outdone by her, so I wrote this song. (laughs) And it's all about letting go of the shadow so that you can fall in love. So the shadow... And, you know, and I didn't really expect many people to get it. But then just the other day there, I got this beautiful email and letter from a lady in New Jersey who basically broke down the song to exactly the reason why I wrote the song. And I just went, my goodness, that is what it's about. The things you say with what's in between the spaces that can help plant a seed so the growth of change can come along. Because it's like to be able to basically put something down that it plants a seed where somebody ends up being brave enough to speak their truth. That for me is what I was given. And that's what I try to continue to do with what I do for work.
0: It's a it's a beautiful sentiment, I I, I think, and, and I um I remember a couple of interviews ago. For me, I was speaking to a gentleman about um the sort of feedback I've I've got on, uh, you know, this little project here, and I would said that it was really challenging for me in that I hadn't emotionally prepared at all because for me it was just about you know this urgency to try and regain some karma that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> um, so when these these really heartfelt messages come through whether it be that they've been on a similar wavelength to me like the lady you've described and, and really understood where I was going with something or that it's given them, say, the the kick in the ass to go and seek out a counsellor or have a conversation with their partner or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I, I was entirely unemotionally pre- prepared for the for the weight, uh, obviously very positive weight, but for the emotional weight of, of that. And, and um, you know, I completely can understand... Uh, through through your art, your beautiful music, um, uh, why that's so rewarding for you in, in that regard?
1: Yeah. I, 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 you know, you meet people who know exactly what they want to do in life at a very young age. And they, you know, they, they power through and they do exactly what they want to do. And I admire those people. It's like, holy moly, to have that, drive and that passion at such a young age to do what you want to do and succeed at it it's great and and that's that's i always i often think how do you deal with those thoughts that i have even today how do you deal with those thoughts how do you take that those feelings and those emotions to keep driving and I was lucky enough to have a lady come up to me who was a, a doctor, and she basically summed it up for me. She she says you learn to ignore it until it no longer can be ignored, and I was just like, going, "Wow, that's <laughs> like wow." So it took me with twenty odd years to ignore it, you know, until I couldn't deal with it. I then have musician friends who are half my age, who have to deal with the mental stress that this industry throws at you with no work, no money, no work, no money, doing a gig, selling yourself for such a cheap and having you know been a non-essential worker to, uh, uh, to, to a world that was falling apart. Uh, and then not being able to deal with that and going crazy. Which then you have to turn around and say, what else is going on? What else is happening for you right now? Because it's got to the point where you can't deal with it. So they have to go and talk. Again, they have to communicate. Uh, Yeah, I just feel we've... I've I've, I've lost the drift there. I just totally lost the drift, what I was saying. No, I I,
0: I really love what you laid down there. It reminded me of... um, I've got a hospitality background, so I'm very empathetic to the people that have been overly and without much concern affected uh, by the way this has all been handled. And and it was actually around the time um, of all that kicking in that I was looking at launching this and, and double-guessed myself on the importance of it, uh, but um, I, I must have had four friends that I spoke to within probably an you know, eight or nine-day period, Colin, who... who all said nearly fucking word for word that they felt really lost and purposeless. Um, people, yeah. and, and I don't think any of them were actually off work. It was just people that suddenly had a lot less to do at work, and and it's such a um, sense of identity, even with a normal job, let alone for for the artists you speak of. Um, you know, it's 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 their expression. It's it's their sense of getting to be good at something, and it's their income. So I can I can only imagine what it was what it was like for them in that space?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I, I, it, <clears throat> I think we have forgotten as an industry, everybody has music playing in the background, they have it in their car, they have it on the movies, they have it on the TV, they have it when they're on the radio. It's Music is everywhere. So people take creative arts for granted. They take it for granted. We should have, like, nowadays we have a system where you can have all the music in the world, and it's there. COVID-19 proved to so many that, you know, people take it so much for granted, music, that when they can't have it, they weren't really that fussed about not having it. We can get it on our machines and that. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there that love having live music, but it was just so many of us felt, we are not really that important. Although people say we are important, we're not. Like governments and, and and territories and states, you know, tried their best to help the hospitality, but really, did they? And then we want to talk about mental health issues within the industry then we're seen as being whingers because we're whining, because we should be grateful, because what we're doing is a job. Not everybody can do that job. You're right, not everybody can do that job, but we've worked hard to be able to do this job. How dare you whinge and moan about that? And it's like, well, we're not whinging and moaning, we're just trying to make people aware of what is going on in our industry. People who had touring across the United States, people who are touring in Canada, all around the world, all gone, income gone. They've had to get back and do a normal job so that they can maintain their life. But that everybody's like, oh well, that's okay. Now, if that was a a hospital that was shut down, if that was a factory that was shut down, if it was a hotel that was completely, you know, like decimated, would be all up in an uproar. But we were forgotten about, yeah, everybody wants us to play our music for free when we do festivals or we do charity shops or we do whatever. We're happy to do that because some smart person realised that we're going to do it for free anyway. You know, but it's how you can, and the the best way a lot of us have been able to deal with that is we're not alone. We're not alone. This has happened to everybody, and it's the same with that. i like hospitality. Hospitality started to pick up now. But everybody's going. Oh my god! Everybody's drinking so much. <laughs> everybody's gone crazy in the grog. It's like, oh, no! <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. So we like. There's so much that we don't talk about, but we we're afraid to talk about because we're afraid that we'd be judged because we are so lucky to be doing what we do. You know. And we shouldn't whinge about the fact that this is going on and that's going on. That we should just power on. It'll be okay in the end. But there's a lot of people out there that have completely lost the sound engineers, the the roadies, the you know. It's not just the artists. It's not just. It's also everybody who works in the industry. They've lost so much. And I, and my fear is that what has happened, everything becomes the norm. Everybody doing it online becomes the norm everybody performing or like so the, the soundies and that there'll be less work for them and it's a bit like it's you know but there's one thing that we are doing and it's that community thing we're sitting and talking we're communicating about what we're afraid of and what what ifs and you know i've become like sometimes i'm hard to live with because i'm not doing my work you know and, you know, sometimes it's, it's difficult to live with a, an artist in the house who hasn't been able to perform and be the do his work, because, you know, being my age, thinking that you should be able to provide for your family, but you can't, you know, that can affect people, it can affect the way that people perceive what you're doing. But then again, you get up in the morning. And that's it. It's a new day. We get up in the morning. We look at me. but We're grateful for that. But uh, yeah, this COVID thing's been a big nightmare. How did we get any COVID?
0: I don't know, but it's worth covering. It's definitely, <laughs> a, it's, it's definitely affected a lot of
2: people. And I was, I
0: was, it, it definitely made made me think. I, I um, I have a lot of music friends, obviously, but I have a lot that yeah. aren't as well, and and I have a lot of friends. Particularly recently, now that it's kind of there's been that that glimpse of you know a path back to normality, and I've had that many people say to me lately. Maybe it's just because I'm a bit of a music fan, but that they're that keen to go out and see live music, and 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 I think to an extent, art will art will always prevail. I think the the societies that have put it to the to the side for any great period of time have suffered greatly, and and obviously as as you'd know with your your heritage, um, places in in Europe that have. heavily heavily invested in in beautifying the surrounds and, and all the incredible buildings and, and statues and everything else it's um the amount of financial prosperity that in turn brings back to the region over the generations to come is is incredible so um i i, I very much hope that our government supports uh, you know your genre and 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 your peers and and I certainly hope uh, and, and optimistically believe that the the public will definitely be be uh, you know very keen to get in the doors when live music's back and and um and and get some revenue flowing back to the artists of our nation.
1: Yeah I'm I'm hoping that we get like the the once the restrictions mm. are off. I, I know the world will come back and but what I'm hoping will happen is that Australia will go right to grassroots and push its grassroots artists because I don't think we're going to get international artists coming over for a long time. So the big optimistic thing about this is the grassroots Australia can grow its its artists and it can grow its songwriting and it can grow its industry so that when the doors open again, it's a solid, exciting industry that's going to be available. Like I think that's that's the big op- optimistic view that I have anyway. That it's it's we can go grassroots all over uh, and we can take everything on because I I I love travelling. I love the I. I I love being able to be in front of people and sharing and hearing their stories, and because then I might hear somebody's story and go away and write a song, and it, it just is just—it's just—it's part and parcel of being an artist, I guess. It's just exciting. Yeah,
0: love it. Well, I'll, I'll probably got a got a bail, column, but I'd, it's you know that however long it's been is, is evaporated, and, and it certainly wasn't long enough. So uh, if you if you. <laughs> If you'll humour me, I'll certainly drive up the up the gut sometime and and come and catch up with you for a meal and get to have a proper chat and and if I have the opportunity uh, within the remotest koe of me to come and watch you perform, I'm I'm also excited and, and, and we'll-, well, I'm
1: definitely open to coming and seeing you. I'll 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 probably see you before you see me, so that's probably the that's probably what's gonna and uh, I know you'll probably be keeping an eye on what Jacin saying and doing, so. Uh, Definitely. But I'm hoping that, you know, we do get to catch up. I'd love to catch up and and uh, have a coffee with you and have some tea. That would be nice. Abs- would be absolutely.
0: I, I double guessed myself before on saying catching up for a beer. It's a habit I'm trying to get out of because it's such a <laughs> it's such an Australian cultural thing that, you know, it, it is both a good thing and an awful thing for, for other people. But uh, whether it's a counterfeit or a cup of tea, I, I, I very much look yeah. forward to our, our paths hopefully crossing Colin. And thank you so much for our chat. Yeah.
1: Thank you for having me. And back home in Scotland, if you didn't drink, you'd never trust a bloke who didn't take a drink. You never trust them. Now, also, if you need a translation of anything that I've been saying, due to the fact people might not understand, uh, you can catch me on www.colinillie.com.au and I'll send you a transcript of everything that was said this evening, OK?
0: So please, I'll, I'll put the links uh, when, when I post the podcast, but, but please have a look at uh, Colin's feeds and, and uh, purchase some of his music because he's, he's a beautiful storyteller and, and I've sort of dived in since I, I rediscovered him by, by fluke and I'm certainly glad I did. So thank you again, my, my dear friend, and I, I hope to speak to
1: you soon. Thank you. Take care. All the best.
0: Blokes, thanks again for tuning in. Really hope you got something out of that. Start having those conversations with your mates, with your family, with a mental health professional if you need to. There's absolutely no shame in it. If you want to reach out to us or follow along, we're on Facebook or Instagram under Blokes Don't Talk. Uh, And to listen, we're available on all your good podcast platforms. Share it with a mate. Even if you're not quite sure, worst you can do is tell you he's not that interested might come back to you in a month or two and and have really got something out of it. Thanks again. Talk next week.